did you appreciate what Jameson Reader had to say to us this morning, our representative from Love Life? You may not know the backstory, but uh, his brother, businessman in Charlotte, invited out to the abortion mill there and saw with his own eyes what was going on. And his question was, where is the church? And so God laid on his heart a plan to mobilize the church so that we might see an end to the abortion crisis and the orphan crisis. And uh, their family has taken a big risk in doing what they're doing. He, they don't talk about it. We don't hear that from them, but I know. I know I've been around the block long enough that I know that they're taking a big risk. And so would you honor them for what they're doing, him and his family, this morning? Jameson, thank you so much. This morning we have the privilege to pray over a member of our church. This guy and I grew up together. We were in youth group together here. Now, he looks a lot younger than I do, but we I promise you, we were in youth together here. But Derek Garwood uh, is part of the National Guard, and uh, he's about to be deployed along with 42 other brave and honorable Americans to Kuwait. And so this morning, we're going to pray over him, and we're going to pray over his family. Dad's going to be gone for a year, and so Mom and the kids are going to have to hold everything together. And we want to be the kind of church that we support them, we pray for them, we're there for them during this period. And I want you to remember Derek, and I want you to pray over him. Great guy. I love him so much, and I'm so proud of what God is doing through him. Aren't you proud of our ladies and gentlemen that serve our country in this way? Amazing. Amazing. And so this, this morning we're going to have a special prayer over this family. Um, I know there's at least one more who is going to ask for special prayer this morning. We're continuing to pray for Emily Allman and the physical difficulties that she's been going through. If there's anybody else who needs special prayer this morning, I don't want to miss anyone. Um, but if you need special prayer this morning love for you to come up at this time and we can have a special time of prayer over you. There's power when we come together. There's power when this family comes together. Yes, we can all pray individually in our homes and God hears us and we understand all of that. But there's power when we come together as the people of God. Something special happens when we meet together. And so we're so privileged to get to pray over those who have special needs, circumstances in their lives right now. Would you be willing to join around them? Would you be willing to just move forward and just lay hands on somebody's shoulder and just show a sign of unity that we are one family together and we are surrounding these families, these people with the love of God and with our prayers. Are you glad to be here today? God is speaking this morning. I hope you're listening because God has something special that he wants to say to all of us today and so I hope your cup is upturned where you can catch what God is doing here in this place today let's pray together Father I want to thank you and I want to praise you that you have never failed us yet God when we look back over our lives when we look back over the peaks and the valleys God when we look back through the fires that you have brought us through, God, we can tell you, we can raise our Ebenezer and we can say that thus far has the Lord been faithful. To put that in a modern way, you have never failed us yet. And God, we don't expect that you're ever going to fail us because we know who you are. Our faith, our trust, our lives are placed in your hand. And so we thankful, we're thankful, God, that whatever situation we are going through, you are God over that situation. Thank you for meeting with us today, God, and I thank you that you are speaking to us through your Holy Spirit. Now, God, we come and we approach you on behalf of the Garwood family. We are thankful for Derek. We are thankful for his service. We are thankful for Shannon allowing and giving her permission to this and her support to what Derek is doing for our country. God, we are thankful for the men and the women who lay it on the line 
for us, for our freedom. God, we're thankful that we live in a nation where we still have freedom. And Lord, although we know there are those who would take those freedoms away, gladly take those freedoms away, God, we are thankful that you have made this country a country of freedom. A shining city set on a hill for freedom around the world, God. We thank you that you have protected that. But God, it has cost the lives and it has cost the time and it has cost the efforts of good men and women. And so we are so thankful for them. But God, right now, we're just focusing in on this family. We, we're thankful for the other families, the 4,200 that are going on this deployment, God. And we pray you would protect them. And we pray, God, you would protect their marriages, God. And we pray that you would protect their families. And, and God, just we pray those that don't even know you, Lord, that you would work in their hearts and lives in a powerful way in the coming year. But we want to focus on this family that is part of our family, our church family. And God, we want to pray right now. We approach your throne, and we're asking for power. We're asking for protection. We're asking for your spirit to speak a word to this family, God. We pray that Shannon would have strength as she is holding it all together at home. And we pray that Derek would be protected, and God, that you would give him wisdom as he is serving our country, God. And we pray for the kids, Lord. We just speak love over them. We speak truth over them, God. We speak that, that Lord, this will not be a deterrent to their family, God, but actually they'll get closer to you and closer to each other even in the midst of this deployment. And so, God, we, we thank you for Derek. And we pray over him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God. Thank you that he is putting his life on the line for us, God. And we just thank you that you are going to work amazing things in this family, God. We thank you for their extended family that's here as well, God. Help them truly show what love is all about in the midst of this deployment. And God, we thank you for Emily. And Lord, we are still praying for her. She still has struggles going on, God. But we just pray that you would continue to touch her. You would be with the doctors. You would give them wisdom, God in the midst of treatment, Lord, and we pray for her family as well, God. We pray that you would work in the midst of everything that's going on, and we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you. You are our protector. You are our healer. You are our shield. God, we thank you that you are God over every situation and in the midst of every storm. Now, God, we give the rest of our time today to you. It was yours anyway. Thank you that we get to borrow a little bit of it, God, but we pray that you would help us to put aside outside focuses and that we would focus on you this morning, God. We pray that you would speak into us in such a way, God, that when we leave this place today, we'll look like more like Jesus than when we came into this place. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that he took on evil and he defeated evil. We thank you that he took our sin on himself, and God, he took his, our sin on himself, but he placed his life in us, eternal life with you. And so we exalt his name today. We exalt and we praise the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his matchless, wonderful name that we pray these things today. And Rushwood Church said together, amen. Let it be so. Thank you, church, so much, so much for praying with us this morning. I hope that you will agree that you will continue to pray for the Garwood family. You will continue to pray over this year and in the coming days for them. Continue to pray for Emily. I'm so glad that we don't have a church that's so formal that we can't take time to have special prayer for folks. I'm glad that we still have that built into what we do here as part of Rushwood Church. Well, we are so glad that you came to worship with us this morning. We're honored. We know that there were a lot of choices, a lot of places that you could have gone today to worship, but we are honored that you chose to worship with us today. And I just pray that God would move among all of our hearts uh, in the remainder of this service. I do want to mention, uh, point out this morning, there are people who are special in your life. There are people who poured into your life and were a blessing to you, and I'm so thankful God has given me so many of them. So many of them. When I stand up and I speak to you, I, I stand on the shoulder of giants. I stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before and have 
taught me and blessed me and loved me and, and to the point where I, I'm, I am at now, where God has called me. And this morning, I just uh, I have the privilege that one of my Bible college professors, Dr. Mike McClure, I'm not going to make him stand because that would embarrass him. I know, I know him well enough, but he and his wife, Sheila, are in attendance with us. My wife and I both took classes under him at John Wesley College when I was starting out trying to become an ordained minister and my wife was in the Christian counseling and psychology program there at John Wesley College and Dr. McClure poured into our lives and I think about him so many times and he's here with us this morning and I just would you honor him for what he has done in my life and my wife's life and uh, his wife as well we are just so glad so glad to have them here today well, we're continuing our series, The Bible's Greatest Hits, and I know I go over this every week, but there may be somebody new here who doesn't know exactly what's been going on, so just let me explain this series a little bit to you. We're going through some of the portions of God's Word, and by the way, it's all inspired, and it's all useful, and we need to study it all, and we need to know it all, and we, and we can get life from any and all of it, but there are portions of God's Word that over the years his people have found to be especially blessing, especially useful, especially good in their lives. And so we're calling those the Bible's greatest hits. And we've been through things like the Lord's Prayer, like the 23rd Psalm. Coming up, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the love chapter of the Bible. And we're going to talk about all of that. Um, and so that's kind of what we're doing here as we go through the Bible's greatest hits. By the way, I need to say this. It just kind of jumped in my mind. I need to remind you of this. Next Sunday, I won't be preaching. You get a break from me. And our worship team will not be leading our worship. We do, again, as Pastor Jason said, we have a new church plant that's coming in. I don't want you to get confused because we have a church in this town that's called C4. And this church is also called C4, but it's not the same church. This is C4 Greensboro, if you will, not associated with the church that's in town here. But this church is launching out of our network of churches. Pastor Ryan Sims, an amazing man of God, you're going to love him. You're going to love what he has to bring to you. He was working and still works for Hilton Hotels, and he was really coming up through that company and uh, on his way to, to being kind of a big wheel within that company when God got a hold of his heart and put a call on his heart and so he answered that call to be a minister of the gospel and now Ryan is going to answer the call to plant a church at Southern Guilford Middle School which is going to be called C4 and so he's probably giving up a lot to go into the ministry uh, of the gospel you're going to love him I talked to him and his, I know his wife is a singer and I said hey I'd love for Felicia to sing a song for us at the end of service when you come in and speak and Ryan said you know we got a pretty good worship team would you be willing to let our worship team lead worship and I said absolutely bring them on so next week when you come in here don't don't be shocked at what's going on here I'm still your pastor and our worship team is still your worship team but you're gonna see some maybe unfamiliar faces up here that you're gonna get to love really quickly and they're going to be a blessing to us. By the way, we have to have church plants. You say, why do you bring in another church? Why do you have somebody else coming? We have to have church plants, guys. If we don't have church plants, we don't even keep up with population growth in most of the United States. We have to have new churches. We have to reach new people. And so that's one of the reasons we're bringing them in. And we're going to give you an opportunity to sow into their ministry and bless their ministry. So we're asking you to bring some extra cash or a an extra check or whatever God lays on your heart so that we can bless this church as it launches out. We've done this before and some of the pastors that we have brought in to speak to you, God is using them in amazing ways in their cities. And when I see their ministry and I see what God is doing in their ministry, I kind of feel like, hey, I got to be part of that. I got to get in on the ground floor. I got to bless them and pray for them and give to them. And so what they do, I feel like I'm a little part of that and we're a little part of that. So next week, I know, I know it's kind of like a southern tradition. When the pastor's not preaching, you go or you know, take the Sunday off or visit Grandma's church or whatever. Don't do that next week. Come and support these guys. They're going to be a real blessing to you. And we want to show them what Rushwood Hospitality is all about, okay? Okay, Kathy's ready. Anybody else ready for next week? I mean, we want to, if you're not here, you can't help us out on that. So make sure you're going to be here next week and support that you're going to be blessed by this and so 
Before I forgot, I needed to kind of mention what's going on there. And I know we're going to have some people show up to service late, and they're going to be like, what in the world's going on here? But it'll be okay. We'll roll on. Bible trivia this morning. Dr. McClure can't answer this because I know he already knows all of these questions I'm about to ask. But I thought we'd start out with a little audience participation, okay? I hope you're still with me. I hope you're not thinking too much about the fried chicken after service yet. I can't guarantee you we're going to beat the Baptist to the chicken hut today. I don't know. We're going to try. We're going to try. But some, let me get some audience participation going, get you guys involved. Some, church, some uh, Bible trivia for you. I used to love Bible trivia as a kid. I loved it in Sunday school. I loved it in youth group. I don't know how you feel about it, but we're going to try it anyway. Question for you. What is the longest book of the Bible? Book of Psalms. Okay, pretty good. I heard that from several areas, so really good. The longest book of the Bible is Psalms, 150 chapters in that song book of the Bible. That was pretty good, but this is a little more advanced. What is the longest chapter of the Bible? Psalm 119. All right, I think Nancy McDaniel said that over here. Psalm 119, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses. In fact, in our Bible reading plan that we give you every year, we divide that chapter up over about three days. We don't make you read that all in one day on that Bible reading plan. All right, very good. Does anybody know what the second longest book of the Bible is? Oh, somebody. Debbie, did you say it? Isaiah. Isaiah is the set. That's very good. That's advanced Bible trivia there. You get a gold star. You get a badge. Awesome. Awesome job this morning. The book of Isaiah. 66 chapters, that's easy to remember. There's 66 uh, books in the Bible. There's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is an amazing book. We're going to be looking at one of the most famous portions of it this morning. Isaiah was written by a prophet who lived in Judah. And we don't have too much time to get into all the background on that this morning. But basically what you need to know, Bible history, all that sort of stuff, the kingdom of Israel has been divided into two kingdoms. By the way, division's not a good thing. Division's not a good thing. God loves unity. God loves when his people are in agreement. Now, that doesn't mean we have to all look alike, think alike, dress alike, all that sort of thing. But God loves when his people are in unity. Satan loves division. And so this kingdom had been divided in two, and that was the beginning of their problems. Divided into two, you have Israel in the north, you have Judah in the south. There are ten tribes of Israel in the north, and eventually in 722 B.C., Assyria comes in, overthrows them, captures them, disperses them, and ten of the twelve tribes of Israel are gone forever. They're gone. They're the lost tribes. They're out of there. They're gone. So only two are left. You only have Judah and Benjamin in the south. And so God raises up this prophet, a prophet named Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesies that another nation is going to come and they're going to do something similar to what Assyria did. Assyria coming into the north, this kingdom of Babylon is going to come to the south and these two remaining tribes are going to be exiled. They're going to be removed from the land for 70 years. And Isaiah says, this is going to happen. This is not good news, but this is going to happen. And so you have this long, long thing, because it's the second longest book of the Bible. You have this long prophecy about Babylon coming down and exiling Judah, removing them from their land, removing them from the promised land of God. Today we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. Isaiah chapter 40 is around two-thirds of the way through this book. I don't know if you remember studying English when you were a kid, if you remember studying literature when you were a student, either in high school or in college. I don't know if you remember all this, but you probably remember in any story, there is rising action as things are building up. You guys remember this? Remember this from school? Even if you don't, just nod your head. It'll be okay. All right, you have this rising action where things are building up, and then you have a point of the story, the climax of the story, where everything pivots, everything turns, everything changes. And then after that, you have falling action where things are coming together and they're being resolved down to the point of the story, which is when everything is solved and there's a resolution. So you've got rising action, climax of the story, falling down, to the resolution of the story. 
Isaiah chapter 40 is the climax of the book of Isaiah. It's where everything turns. It's where everything changes. It's the point of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how God is going to work all this out. All these things have happened, all this turmoil, all this building action, but then we come to a point where we're not sure what's going to happen, but something changes. It's either going to go bad or it's going to go good from this point on. So that's exactly where Isaiah chapter 40 is. It's the place where we move from judgment to hope. It's the place where we move from darkness to light. It's the place where we move from rebuke to restoration. That's the place in this story where we are. It answers the question in this chapter that some of you may have this morning. Listen, if, you, if all of that confused you and got you off, tune into this. This will bring you back. It answers the question that some of you might be asking today. Has God stopped caring about me? Has God stopped caring about me? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to look at verses 27 through 31. We're using the NIV this morning. The New International Version is the version that we're reading from. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. And I know that you guys just got seated and you just got comfy and we've been standing a lot and we've been doing a lot this morning. But I just feel like this morning it would be a great day. We don't do this every week. But I feel like it would be a great day to have you stand back up to honor the reading of God's Word. We don't do that always. But I feel like we need to keep the blood pumping this morning. We need to keep things flowing. So that's what we're going to do. I'm the pastor. I get to do stuff like that. All right. Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Creator, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Man, as I approach 40, tired and weary comes real quick sometimes. But this is God. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord. You want to know what was in common about both of those shootings that took place last week? Hopelessness. I don't, you wade through all the political jargon and everything else. What was in common was hopelessness in both of those situations. People without hope. But Isaiah says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's a good word, isn't it? That's a good word. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Praise God for his word before you sit down this morning. Praise God for his word today, church. You may be seated. You may be seated. Has God stopped caring about me? Has God stopped? I already heard the answer over here. That's good. Has God stopped caring about me? You know, church, there's lots of things that can make us feel that way. There's lots of things in this life. I'm sure the people of Judah... All this prophecy that Isaiah is giving, this unresolved tension, what's going to happen, 70 years in exile, all these bad things surrounding them. I'm sure the people of Judah thought, God has stopped caring about us. God has cast us away. We're no longer his people. There's already 10 tribes that have been dispersed and forgotten, and we're next. We're there. I mean, if the 10 went down, two for sure are going to go down. They had to feel that way like God had stopped caring about them. And sometimes we feel that way as well. We can feel like God has stopped caring when suffering seems to be our lot. Seems like you just suffer one thing after another, after another, after another. I know there's been times in our lives, my wife and I, by the way, my wife is a little bit under the weather this morning. She couldn't be here, so pray for her to feel better. She's got a cold sinus type thing going on. But there's been times in our lives where my wife has looked at me or I've looked at her and we've said, when will it ever end? 
When will it ever end? One blow after another blow, another thing happening, another thing happening. It just seems like one thing after another. And we're like, everybody else seems to be blessed, but one thing after another. Suffering just seems to be our lot. We kind of get a Job complex if you're not careful. One thing after another thing after another thing. I'm just destined to suffer. You can feel that way. And that can make you feel like God has forgotten you. I mean, after all, God is God, right? When we say God is God, that means he's the all-powerful. That means he's the almighty. That means he can do whatever he wills. That, I mean, we, we might not even have some theology where we feel like God is causing our suffering, but we might feel like at the very least he's allowing it. And since he's God, he could stop it, right? That's the way we can start to feel. I mean, he made us. He knows us. He can heal our bodies. He can heal our minds. But he doesn't always do it. And we might be left with the question, why? Why is God not doing what I think God should be doing? Doesn't he care about me? Has God forgotten me? Has he stopped caring about me? There's an old argument from a guy named Epicurus. Epicurus was a philosopher. And he said this about God. I don't agree with him, just to let you know up front. But this is an old argument. Is God willing to prevent suffering but not able? If so, then he's not all-powerful. Is God able to prevent suffering but he is not willing? If so, then he's not good. Is he both able and willing? If God is able and willing to prevent suffering, then where does suffering come from? And his conclusion was, or he, then he also said, is he neither able nor willing, then he is not worthy to be called God. And so his conclusion was, because there's suffering in the world, that proves that either God is not good or God is not all-powerful. Something's wrong there, but you can't believe in an all-good, all-powerful God if suffering exists in this world. Now, I want you to know I don't agree with that. But that's an argument that's still around today, and it's been around for a long time. It's called the problem of pain. If God is good and if God is loving, why am I hurting? Why isn't he helping me? Why is he allowing me to go through this? When God allows us to suffer, especially if it's prolonged suffering, sometimes it just feels like God does not care. He might care about somebody else, but he doesn't care about me. If he cared about me, he would not allow me to go through this. We can feel like sometimes God has stopped caring when we go through suffering. Second thing, we can feel like God has stopped caring when evil seems to be rewarded. Psalm chapter 73 and verse 3 says, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Anybody feel like this? You work, you struggle. You try to keep your nose clean. You try to do what's right. You try to honor God, and it seems like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing happens to you. seems like you have enemies on every hand. It seems like you just can't get ahead. And somebody over there who doesn't even acknowledge God, doesn't even seem to care about God, it seems like everything they do just falls into place. Seems like they're prospering, they're growing, they're getting blessed. Everything is working out for them, and everything's against you. And you start to feel like, hey, God must not care about me. I'm trying to honor him. I'm trying to do what's right. I'm falling behind, and the people that don't care about him are getting ahead. If we're not careful, we fall into that trap of thinking that way. Third thing, we can feel like God has stopped caring when heaven seems to be silent. There are seasons of the soul. We're going to have a sermon coming up pretty soon where we talk about seasons. In fact, it's going to be the day before the day fall begins. We're going to talk about that. There are seasons of their soul. There are some times, and I thank God for these times that I've had in my life, where it seems like God is right there. Like he's riding along in the car with me. Okay, I'm going down the road, I'm listening to worship music, I'm praying him, I got tears rolling, praising him, I got tears rolling down my face. It seems like God is right there. Man, we're just, we're boys, we're hanging out, we're good. And then there have been seasons in my life where it seems like God moved away. He moved away over the summer and he's not coming back. And I talk to him, I pray it doesn't feel like he hears me, it doesn't feel like he's there, I don't sense his presence, I don't have any emotional feelings about him, it seems like we're totally disconnected when the heavens seem silent it can feel like God has stopped caring sometimes we feel like he's gone and he's busy elsewhere 
And so my, those three things, that's just three that I came up with off the top of my head. There may be more reasons that you feel like God has stopped caring about you. He doesn't care about your cause anymore. He's not interested in you. He's not interested in your life. God has stopped caring. To all that, the prophet Isaiah has some answers here in Isaiah chapter 40. If Isaiah were here today, I think he would say, look, there's some things you need to know. Isaiah would say, first of all, first of all, the Lord is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. The Hebrew here, word here used for everlasting doesn't just point into the future. It points into the past as well. It's saying God is the God in the future. God is the God in the past. Even if it doesn't feel like it, God is the God of your right now, of the very moment that you're living in. He is the God of the past, present, and future. And there's a little bit of an innuendo, there's a little bit of just a pointing in that phrase that's, that we translate as everlasting, where it could be translated, the Lord is the God who has always been there behind the scenes. Just because you don't see Him doesn't mean that He's not there. Just because you don't see Him doesn't mean that He's not waiting in the wings. The other night we were watching the first Carolina Panthers preseason football game. We all know that that is God's NFL team, the Carolina Panthers. Keep pounding. And my daughter, this tells you how much football we watch, I guess. My daughter, Kyla, who is three years old, looks up and she's just kind of hanging out with my son Aiden and they're just playing there on the floor and she looks up at the television and she sees this rookie quarterback, Greer, that's in there and he's playing the quarterback position. Well, all she's known her whole life is Cam Newton playing the quarterback position. And so she looks up there, looks real puzzled at the TV screen, and she says, where's Newton? Just kind of like if she's frustrated. Well, you know, Newton's supposed to be in. Where's he? She didn't know he's on the sideline. She didn't know after preseason's over he'll be back to his normal starting job. She didn't know all that. All she knew was she just couldn't see him, and so she was wondering where he was. We can be that way with God. We can be, where, where's God? Where's God in my situation? Look, he's behind the scenes, but he's working all things to your good. Isaiah would say, all things to your good. He is the everlasting God. He's standing. There's an old song that I love. My mom and dad used to sing this. Steve and Alice Wilson used to sing this. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's the friend who always cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find him and you'll know him by the nail prints in his hands. Even when you can't see him, he's there. Even if you don't feel that he's close to you, he's there. He's somewhere in the shadows, and one day you're going to see him, and you're going to know as you are known, but he's always there. He's always working on your behalf. He has not forgotten you. Isaiah would tell us, just be patient. He's there. He's always there. Second, Isaiah would say to us, God will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. It's as if Isaiah is saying to us, you're going to have to be content with understanding that God knows some things that you don't know yet. One day it's going to be revealed, but right now God knows some things. He understands some things that you just don't know and that you just don't understand. There's another old song that says, we'll understand it better by and by. But it's not the by and by yet. We're not there yet. We don't know everything yet. We don't, everything is not revealed yet. But you have to trust that he knows and that he cares and that he's there working on your behalf. You're just going to have to trust God. It's kind of like that old movie Karate Kid. You probably know where I'm going with this. You remember as Mr. Miyagi was training Daniel's son. And you remember it was wax on, wax off. And remember, he was having him paint and everything. And he had no clue what in the world this old guy was doing the whole time he was training him, but he had no clue what was going on, and he started to get frustrated. But at the end, he found out that he already knew some of the basic moves of karate because he had been doing them over and over again, and his master understood something that he did not understand. God is the same way. Sometimes God's allowing you to go through something because he's building something in you you're going to need in the future. You don't know it. You don't see it yet. You can't see down the road. He can so you have to stay patient. You have to trust him. You have to trust that your master knows more than you know. And you have to trust what he is doing is good. He has thoughts that are higher than your thoughts. He has ways 
that are higher than your ways. You can't even fathom what God can fathom. And so we have to stay patient and we have to believe He still cares about us. Isaiah goes on. God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. A few weeks ago, we did our church survey, and uh, one of the comments, uh, I always love constructive criticism, and that's why we had a couple of open-ended things for you guys to reply to us on our church surveys. And one person said, we need more videos during sermons. And I thought, that's probably a good constructive critique. I used to use a lot of those, and I've kind of gotten away from that lately. And so as we're talking about God giving power to the weak, I could preach to you about that. But I thought there's this just one of the best scenes, I think, in Christian movie history comes from a movie called Facing the Giants. And if you're like me, it's been a long while since you've watched that movie, if you ever have. But one of my favorite scenes kind of illustrates this and sets it up. So we're going to watch this clip together. Let's watch the death crawl scene from Facing the Giants. Check this out. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a lost Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. <laughs> 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I don't want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. There you go. It's going to be good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. <laughs> That's it, Brock. That's it. Am I at 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. I ain't done. I'm just resting a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit until you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep, dri keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. It and let it burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You
you're the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Rock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach? Can I count on you? Yes. Coach? What is it, Jeremy? I want a 160. All right, guys, we can cut it there. Do I have to make the point for you? God gives us strength when we're weary. He's just like that coach. When you're ready to give up, when you're ready to give in, keep going. God gives us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, don't stop. Don't give up. I know you're going through a lot. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. I know I'm asking more of you than you've ever been able to do before, but keep going. And God gives strength to those of us who are weary. Anybody feel, felt just a little bit weary of anything this week? I mean, just show of hands. Can we be confessional here? Anybody said there's been some things going on this week? They've been hard to deal with. I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of putting up with it. But God says keep going. Don't give up. You're stronger than you know, not in and of yourself, but through the power of his spirit. I mean, in and of myself, you guys know me and I know you. We're not that great by ourselves, are we? Together we're something special, but with the Holy Spirit, amazing things can happen. And God gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we have a God like that? Aren't you glad that we have a God that doesn't let us fail, but pushes us to keep going? And then come two of the most beautiful, encouraging verses of all the Old Testament or the New Testament and all of God's Word. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 through 31 says, Even youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Where's your hope today, church? Where's your hope? Is your hope in the government? I surely hope not. I surely hope not. Is your hope in your own strength? your own intellect, your own ability. I hope you don't place it there as the old song. It's old song Sunday. I don't know why, but anyway, as the old song says, the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Don't trust your own strength. You're not enough by yourself. Your hope needs to be in the Lord. Your hope has to be in the Lord. But if you place your hope in the Lord, the Bible says it promises you will renew your strength. And then it goes on to say, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Look, I could have preached a whole sermon to you. It wasn't exactly where I felt like we should go this morning, but I could have preached to you a whole sermon about eagles. But I did want to make one point since this brings this up, and that's kind of when you think about Isaiah chapter 40, that's usually the vision you have. That's usually what comes into your mind is an eagle soaring. But eagles are an interestingly designed bird. Without getting too geeky on you and everything like that this morning, they're interesting the way that God designed them. They're really heavy for a bird. They weigh a lot. Their wings are so wide and their wings are so huge. They're not really good for flapping and flying. I mean, I was around some hummingbirds the other day, and now they're built for those wings to go fast, and they just zip all around. Eagles are not built like that. Eagles' wings are cumbersome, and they're heavy, and they really seem to get in the way of the animal. But the way God has designed them, with those huge wings, with the wingspan of the eagle, once it gets going, it'll find an updraft. It'll find a spot in the atmosphere where it's actually buoyant, where actually the atmosphere will carry the eagle, and the eagle will get on that updraft, and it will just go higher and higher and higher and because it gets on that updraft the eagle that can't fly that well or for that long because of the way it's designed on its own once it finds that updraft it can soar I came by here this morning to tell you the Holy Spirit is like that in our lives the Holy Spirit of God you might not be designed to do a whole lot on your own but you are designed that with the Holy Spirit living and working within you you can soar and you can do amazing things for God 
I want to encourage you this morning. I hope you take, if you don't take anything else, take some encouragement from this sermon this morning. God has made you in such a way that when you get weary and when you get down and you feel like you just can't go on, you feel like you just got to give in, you feel like it's over, God has made you in such a way that if you get in touch with His Holy Spirit, if you get in touch with the power of God that's present in your life through that Holy Spirit, He will renew your strength and He will lift you up to heights that you've never flown to before. You just have to place yourself in the area where the Holy Spirit can help you rise. That's why it's important to read the Bible. That's why it's important to be in prayer. That's why it's important that you come to church on a consistent basis and you gather with us. This is a spot and your Bible reading time is a spot. And your prayer time, that's a spot where there's an updraft. That's a spot where the Holy Spirit is moving and working and can get a hold of you and can lift you back up. We're designed to soar. We are not designed to just sit around perched on the tree, just letting life go by, not much happening. We're designed to soar and we're designed to fly to great heights in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you're going through today. Some of you I do. Some of you you share with me, and I'm, I'm sure you're like, like all of us are. Some of it's kept secret from me. I don't know it. I don't know what's going on with you, but God knows what's going on with you. And I just want to encourage you this morning. If you feel like you want to give up, if you feel like you want to throw in the towel, if you feel like you want to keep craw quit crawling across that field and trying to make it to the goal line, when you want to be done, there is a Holy Spirit of God out there, the Holy Spirit of God, who can lift you up if you'll get back in touch with Him. We're going to end this morning this way. Our worship team is going to sing a song that we haven't done before, but it just go, went so well with the theme we felt like we had to do this this morning, talking about soaring on the strength of God and in His power. But maybe today you just, maybe you had a bad week. Maybe you had a bad month. Maybe there's just stuff in your life that has just been rolling you over and you just feel like God has forgotten me. God doesn't care about me. God is gone and God is distant. No, I promise you, He's there. He is the everlasting God. He's the everlasting God and He cares about you. He cares about your situation. He's there to get you through if you'll tap into His strength. And so I'd like to invite you, if you want to come up here and just stand and pray, we have some people who will come and they will pray with you this morning. If you just got something going on in your, in your life that seems too heavy to carry, come and lay that down. Cast all your burdens on Him because He cares for you. Come and pray. Come and seek Him. Come and seek that updraft of the Holy Spirit, that power of the Holy Spirit. I would invite you to come and pray during this last song. Come and let the church pray over you. Come and see what God has for you this morning. Would you stand with me today? Let's stand and let's worship before we leave today. You said you won't relent, won't let
Give God some praise for his goodness to his church. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I thank you that in times where I've been weary, where I've thought about giving up and giving in, God, you refreshed my spirit, you restored my soul. God, you gave me strength, and I knew it wasn't from me, God. I knew it was from you. And God, I pray for the one that came down for, for prayer at the end, God, that you would bless her heart and you would restore her soul and you would give her strength. And God, this morning there may have been those who did not come down but are sitting in this pew and thinking, I've got a lot going on. And maybe God's given up on me. God, would you speak this week? Would you just give them a sign that you are still with them, you still love them, and God, you're going to help them soar in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we leave this place, make us witnesses, make us salt and light. Help us to live out what we believe, God, so that we could be living witnesses for you. We love you and we praise you and we exalt the name of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray all these things and we all said together, amen. Church, I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. I hope I can see you Wednesday night. Come and join us. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week. God bless you.